Hey folks, I'm Nick Davis here with my partner, Dan Jarvis. We are the anxiety guys and we are leading an emotional revolution. So today we're going to talk about emotions around animals. Ah, animals. Right. Because <laughs> it, it's something that's actually a lot more common than most people realize. You know, people that have fear of dogs or fear of snakes or, you know, or something around horses, because you can have emotions connected to those. And you can also have traumatic experience around those. Yeah. You know, I, as soon as you said that, I kind of triggered something. I'm like, you know, I think I shouldn't say everybody, right? Cause not everybody has the same life experience, but I'll bet you a lot of people out there. If you said to them, Hey, do you ever had a bad experience with a dog? Right. We, a lot of dog lovers out there. Right. Oh yeah. Right. So I'm a dog lover. Mm-hmm. I've had dogs my whole life. However, bring a German shepherd around me. Life's not so good. Really? What happened with a German shepherd? Well, when I was roughly five-ish, I was riding my BMX bike. We lived off this little tiny dirt road. And my dad was mowing a lawn down a hill about probably six feet below me. So I'm up above him. I'm on an elevated dirt road. And then above me was a house. And that neighbor had this German shepherd that was ferocious. Now it could have just been a German shepherd that barked a lot, but this dog was actually ferocious. I'm riding my bike down the, down our dirt road driveway, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, I look up as this little red bike. I still, I can remember it so vividly. And that German shepherd is on the bank of his yard and he leaps and comes running at me, grabs me by my leg and starts attacking me and rips me off my bike. Mm. And I'm screaming. My dad sees this happen and screams at the dog, like stops doing and like makes a motion. And the dog jumps and goes after my dad. I don't remember anything past that point other than I think we met the animal control officer or somebody that evening. Like my leg was jammed up a little bit and leaking a little bit of blood. And um, I didn't want him to kill the dog. You know, I love animals. And even mm-hmm. though the dog did that, I was sad, but it's weird. I never thought about it till you and I were doing this work. And we talked about it one day because you have a German shepherd, Malawan mix service dog or you're her service human actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like, Ooh, yep. Cute dog, but I don't really need to get too close to you, which is really kind of funny when you think about it. I love every other dog, but right. not a German shepherd. Yeah. Oh, I relate for me. It's pit bulls. They're sweet. yeah no but my experience is i had a wasn't quite like yours i had three different events that happened around pit bulls i was 10 years old and i was in the backyard of my house and we had privacy fences the people that live behind us there's a teenager that lived there he's kind of a punk they had a pit bull and i hear this dog barking in the backyard and i hear a guy yelling next thing you know like a cable repair guy is jumping over our fence into our yard and his jeans were shredded around his calf and it was bloody freaked me out. Right. Two weeks after that, I'm walking my dog around the block and I'm passing that kid's house and he lets the dog out as I'm passing. And the dog basically doesn't attack my dog because my dog was a female and this was a male, but it dominated her. Like I'm like, there's nothing I can do. So that was extremely, you know, scary for me at, at 10. And then when I was a law enforcement officer in central Florida, 
I go to a call and a lady opens the door and there's a dog in there, a pit bull barking. I says, is your dog all right? And cause I'm, I'm a little apprehensive. And next thing you know, that dog runs to the doorway and proceeds to put his teeth around my thigh, her teeth or his teeth, her teeth. So it was the most pain I have ever experienced in my life. Like it was that much pain. I was trying to get my gun out to shoot the dog and then the dog let go, you know? And then it's like, you know, you, I, I felt bad for the dog because I knew what was going to happen to it. And the dog had, was still nursing, had a litter of puppies six days prior. So she was she, just protecting. Yeah. She was protecting her puppies. That's what they do. But you know, I ended up having to go to the hospital, get the tetanus shots, which I hated needles at the time. So the moral of the story, you decide to get a pit bull. Well, no, I got I want to jump in on this one because this is straight up comedy right here, folks. This is really good because now Dan and I have walked each other through our processes so many times because we'll find weeds. We're constantly developing things and trying to, we've really refined the processes that we use to work with folks. Uh, through our anxiety guys business and with our nonprofit 220 so that it works efficiently as quick as possible and allows people to disconnect those traumas and or things that cause anxiety, et cetera. So my German shepherd one, I had already worked on with Dan and uh, Dan's done a lot of work on all the stuff that was between his ears and his big head. And uh, quite a bit. Yeah. So he comes, I've got, we've got four dogs. And my wife, I swear to God, if there is a dog that doesn't have a home, she finds it. <laughs> she finds it and she brings it home. So we there's this dog that was brought to a, a local, it wasn't a shelter, but basically a local group. And she's like pit bull, bulldog mix. And she is literally skin and bones badly, but she has this sweet disposition so Sarah's like, well, maybe we could foster her. And I'm like, all right, I, I like bully breeds. I love, love them. So we were gone. I think we were, you know, we were on vacation. We come home. I think it was around Christmas time. But anyhow, we come home. She disappears. She comes home with not one dog, but two dogs. And then within a day, another dog comes onto our property that doesn't belong to anybody. It's a stray. And he's the cutest looking thing ever. So we went from... Four dogs, three dogs to seven dogs, like overnight. It was the most ridiculous thing ever. But this one bulldog or pit bull, uh, her name's Biscuit. She's so sweet, right? Um, just like feed me, love me. And we start nursing her back to health. Well, Dan comes over and I'll never forget the look on your face, dude. Oh my God. You walk through the door. Now I fell in love with this dog. Be honest with everybody. Biscuit, I fell right in love with her immediately. I'm like, yep, she's my dog. I'm keeping her. I love her. And I'll blame it on Sarah, but I love that dog. So he walks to the door. You see this sheer look of terror on his face. Am I wrong? Oh, I was fully triggered. <laughs> and it was weird because I've done so much work. I'm like, where is this coming from? Right? Yeah. I was full on triggered. I'm, I'm planning like, dude, that dog could take a bite out of Maze, could take a bite out of me. The, the, but, but what did you say? You didn't say anything about you or Maze. What you said was Sarah's in the kitchen, Dan's in the slider. <laughs> He's like, ooh, pipples, they can be really dangerous around children. I'm like, you a-hole. Right. I want to keep this dog, and you went to the children. Now, I, I get it. I appreciate that. And yes, 
I think I think those dogs get a bad rap. It depends on their owner and all that. Well, that's a whole nother topic of discussion. But this dog is so sweet. I want to keep her. And Dan goes, uh, this could be dangerous for your children. So now Sarah's eyes get real big. And I'm looking at him like, if you mess this up for me, <laughs> if I can't keep Biscuit, I'm going to kill you, man. So he is so nervous. And this dog comes running up to him. And she just wants to like love on Dan. I don't know why, but she has this affinity for him. He is walking around in a way that I can't even explain it. It was like almost like he was walking on his tiptoes everywhere he went. And he was all worried about her with, with Maze, his German Shepherd, which, funny enough, he triggered me with his dog at one point. So I guess got to return the favor. Turnabout's fair play. So a few days goes by, and we're like, we got to get over this. So we took him for a walk. The dogs decide they like each other. Everybody's good. Well, we sit outside. We got a fire going outside. We're down here in Georgia. And I'm looking at Dan, and I'm like, dude, this is ridiculous. We're going to get rid of this. He's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm like, no, we're getting rid of this. So Sarah takes the dogs inside, and... We set up the process. Now, for those of you that don't know Dan or I well, over the years that we do this, generally when, if you're somebody that's carrying a big traumatic event, like something strong or something that triggers you hard from a past traumatic experience, when we run you through the trauma resiliency protocol and it disconnects the emotions and and it basically gets rid of the post-traumatic stress, your body goes into this parasympathetic state and you start yawning. Not everybody yawns, but most people do. So when the yawn happens, Dan would always, with me, especially he'd joke around, he'd act like he's casting a fishing pole and he hooked me and he's reeling it in. So it used to always bug me, drive me nuts. So I, I set him up. I start walking him through the process. We're not halfway done with it. And we stuff starts disconnecting. Am I wrong? No, it was, it was bizarre because I, I, you know, as an adult looking at that event as a 10 year old, it, to me, it didn't seem like a traumatic experience, but the reality is it was for the 10 year old. And then cycle the dog bite in law enforcement it completed that loop and then it was basically every time i'd see a pit bull i'd get emotionally triggered yeah so he was sitting there emotionally triggered he went from emotionally triggered he must have yawned 55 times in about eight minutes it was to the point where he was (laughs) i'm trying to cover my mouth i'm trying to get how do i keep him from seeing me yawning like this because i'm like you know flipping him off and he's just dying laughing it's killing him it's in but the reality is you couldn't stop. Your brain finally I, settled down. You were triggered so hard in that moment. And that guy, that's actually like, let's step away from animals for just a quick second. Mm-hmm. If you're the person who, let's say, you, let's say you're somebody that fireworks really trigger you mm-hmm. or cars, uh, let's say driving really triggers you. So whatever you're around, you're in an event where there's going to be fireworks or the fireworks started or whatnot, or you're riding in a car with somebody and you decide you got to stop and go to the bathroom and you're fully triggered. Our process literally could disconnect those triggers in in a matter of tens of minutes, just walking you through it. And usually if you're in that fully triggered state and you disconnect it, your body is like, oh, woof. Yeah. It's like, it's like 50 pounds comes off your neck, chest, shoulders, and your body's like, thank you. Yeah, it's an energy dump. You're yeah. literally dumping all that negative energy that's stored up in your body. Because think about it couple weeks you had the dog before we actually did the process so for two weeks every time i'd come over to your house i'm like freaking out where's the dog where's the dog where's the dog where's okay i'm gonna stay over here with the dog's coming let me let me move did you, you know, know how bad i wanted to sneak up behind you and grab your thigh and go oh, dude. Oh. You, you would have come unhinged oh, you that, probably would have ran to south carolina if it, i had done that it would have not been a pretty pretty scene because i'm i'm literally in my mind i'm like dude I'm going to have to start leaving my dog at home. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to come over as much because I was feeling extremely uncomfortable. 
extremely uncomfortable. And I was, it was, it was starting to freak me out because I'm like, I didn't expect that kind of a response over a dog. Yeah. You know, uh, it was funny. My, my buddy that we just took to the process, my, one of my high school, one of my best friends in the world, my only real friend from high school, he, uh, went through the processes recently and it was funny what he said. Uh, how did he put that? He was like, I feel like, you know how you feel after you go through this really big fight or argument? Let's say it was with a spouse or a parent. And it's like all this energy, and then it's finally all done, right? And now you've kissed and made up, and life's good, but you're exhausted. I remember when he said, it just kind of struck me as funny because I'm like, oh, that's, that's what it looked like for you. It looked like you were in a fight, you know, because it's fight or flight, mm-hmm. the dog. But when you finally let it go, you're like, oh, I'm so tired. Yeah. I got to go home. Yeah, Your body go. was like, thank God the fight is over. I just want to rest. Yeah, I was so exhausted after that release. It was like, I, I, I got to go, man. I got I to go to bed, dude. <laughs> I'm done. I'm spent. But and in, in the, so to take it to uh, some other stories, I want to hear some of yours. But that was our direct story with dogs. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty popular. But we've had folks... Um, we actually have a, uh, a friend of mine, he's a medical doctor, and he was telling a story about snakes one day and how bad snakes freak him out. Well, when he was, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old, he stepped over a big water moccasin and didn't see it till afterwards. Well, at that age, and, and dad's saying, boy, I could have killed you. Oh my God, snakes can kill you. He Snakes freaked him out. So we ran him through the process and snakes don't bug him anymore. It was so funny. Yeah, it was funny because him being a medical doctor, he's like, Hey, wait, this isn't supposed to be able to do this without a pill. <laughs> he did actually say that. He was like, this is really weird. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even take any medication and now snakes don't bother me anymore. That was his words. But, yeah. you know, another one that uh, I, I grew up around horses and have friends and family. Uh, you know, we own a horse. People have had bad experiences with horses. And one uh, friend of ours or client, and, uh, she had had a very bad spill on a horse. Gave up horseback ride, couldn't horseback ride, wouldn't horseback ride. Walked her through TRP, and guess who's riding horses again? Mm. Loving it. Engaged with horses because yeah. she's not triggered. That's so cool. Very cool. And, and that works with just about anything, folks. For for you listening, uh, phobias. A lot of the a, a lot of the um, success in the process we have were modeled on things that came out that are originally decades and decades ago were modeled around trying to disconnect phobias. So if you think about something in your life where you have an emotional reaction or what we call trigger to that situation, person, animal, event, whatever it may be, your response to it is a lot higher than what's called for in the moment. There's probably either a deep emotional connection or a traumatic connection to that from something in your past. Do you agree with that, Dan? Yeah, totally. The moral of the story is we wanted to kind of share our experience with the dogs is because there's a lot of people out there that are walking around with those kind of fears. You know, maybe you're a, you're a postal letter carrier and you walk a route and you're scared of specific dogs because maybe you were attacked. You're going to trigger those emotions very frequently. All right. And the thing is, when you get into a triggered response, it oftentimes can end in, you know, health issues, you know, over time, you know, whether it's heart issues or, you know, strokes or cancers or autoimmune disorders, you know, a lot of things can come as a result of those fight or flight response, especially if it's very frequently. Yeah. And I think that to that, we, Dan and I actually get a unique perspective when it comes to the dogs as well, because he has maze, um, as his, as his service dog. Again, he's his, her service human. Cause 
they're just two peas in a pod. But taking Mazla, she's the most sweet, loving dog ever. You would not believe the amount of people that we meet that we know have some kind of trauma around a dog because they are freaked out. Mm-hmm. They will, if we're walking down one side of the road, they'll literally move and go to the other side of the road. If we're standing in line at a restaurant, they will get out of line and wait until we're seated to come back into the restaurant and find a seat way far away from us. Maze is not this ferocious looking dog, but that's all just fear mm-hmm. from something in their past that we could fix pretty easily. But there's a lot of people walking around with that specifically, I think around dogs. I haven't heard about too many people traumatized from cats yet, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, unless they're big cats, but yeah, you know, when I go into a, like a grocery store or, you know, a supermarket, anything where there's a lot of people, three, three to four people, every time I go, you'll see stop and like say, Oh my gosh. And then move and go some, go a different direction. Wait, is it, is it the dog or is it you? It, well, it could be me. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's maze. Yeah. I think, I think you're a pretty likable guy. Yeah. At least, at least I'd say so. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. You, Dan paid me to say that folks. Hey, you're not supposed to be plugging. That's the paid advertisement. Oh, uh, well, you know, right. even the anxiety guys need a little love once in a while. Oh yeah. Yeah. How did, how did we come up with the name anxiety guys? We were just talking and, and I remember I was like, man, what about, cause we were looking for a name for the, for the, and we came up with like a hundred different names and like, no, none of these are landing. And I'm like, yeah, we're just, we're just the anxiety guys. And you're like, Ooh, that's perfect. It was. Well, it's the, I didn't have the name, but my head kept saying we need to talk about anxiety. Right. Because you can go into, let's just say you go into a restaurant full of people or a grocery store or wherever. And you, let's say all of a sudden you're getting on the speaker and say, all right, folks, how many people in here have post-traumatic stress disorder? Which we call PTS because it's not a disorder. Right. But you say that and you might get a couple people like, oh, I've got it bad. But very few, right? Most people will not raise their hand and say yes. If I get on that same loudspeaker and I say, all right, folks. Anybody in here have anxiety or have somebody really close to them that has anxiety or panic attacks? Half the place is going to raise their hand. Mm -hmm. And we've actually tried this and it's exactly what happens. People just don't understand what anxiety and trauma really is to the level that we do. So forming it in the term of anxiety, guys, I think connects on a more relatable level. Well, no, I mean, more people have anxiety than PTS. Correct. Anxiety is the single largest um, reason for long-term disability in the United States. So more people are on long-term disability because of their anxiety. And I'm going to tell you, this this story is absolutely hilarious, but I want to share this. I'm eating at a restaurant one day. I'm sitting at the bar by myself. I got Mays with me. And the bartender, we were talking, and she's like, I'm going into psychology. And then... I'm like, well, that's cool. I told her about 220 and, and about what we do with PTSD. And a guy sitting kitty corner to me, maybe a couple bar stools down, he goes, well, too bad it doesn't work for anxiety. And I looked over at him. I says, when did that start? And we just went down the rabbit hole and took me about four or five minutes. And his eyes were like, what just happened? So I went to the, I went to the bathroom and I came back. He'd, he, we'd already said goodbye and he left. But when I went to pay my bill, the bartender says, yeah, the guy in the bar said, uh, he wanted to cover your tab. He said, he told me to tell you that it was much cheaper than therapy. <laughs> so I got a free meal out of it. How cool is that? How cool is that for that dude? He's probably telling that story to somebody else right now. I, was, I met this guy in a bar and yeah. I walked out without anxiety. Yep. So it, it is that you worked with a lady on an airplane. It was freaked out to fly. She was in the middle of a panic attack as I was leaving Texas to come back to, to Florida. And literally we, we cleared her trauma and her anxiety 
we were stuck for a while. We were like parked for about an hour and we just started talking and I just hang on. I said, well, let me show you what we do. And next thing you know, she's like, where did it go? You know? <laughs> and then as we're getting bags, it's like one thirty in the morning and she's on the phone talking to friends. I'm sorry. It's so late. And she goes, you'll never believe what just happened to me. I was on the plane and this really nice man was sitting next to me and now I don't have PTSD anymore. <laughs> And he goes, I, that's more than this guy's done more for me in, in, in one hour than my therapist has in the last four years. And it was, it, I just chuckled because you hear it all the time. Wait, so she had another guy sitting on the other side of her? No, no, me. Oh, well, you said she had a nice guy and then another guy that called Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I was the nice guy. Oh, so all right. Yeah. Once in a while, I can do that. He, he can, yep. Yeah. When he doesn't need a Snickers bar. Yeah, once in a while, I need a Snickers bar. Let's, uh, look, we're going to wrap it up, but let, let me ask you this. I don't it, think I've ever asked this question. If you... What what comes to mind when I ask you, what's the most profound moment that you've had in our journey together over the last five years? Other than our friendship? Yeah. Like somebody we've worked with? Just a profound moment where I was like, wow, that's a moment that I'll never forget the rest of my life. There's so many of them. Pick one. The fact that you never dumped me as a buddy while I was going through all of my uh, emotional transitions, <laughs> so to speak, uh, for me is profound. Um Yeah. Well, when somebody has their heart in the right place and, and is always striving to be better, I think we all owe it to that person to have a lot of grace for them because you don't know what, why that person's really in your life yet. And I think we all too quickly will dismiss people. Now there's a difference between toxic people, um, toxic people that you need to have removed from your life or set boundaries with. And then there's people that are just stuck in their emotions in a bad place and, uh, it seems like those people find me often because I'm a person that's pretty patient and have a lot of grace, but I've also been in their shoes to some extent. And you were always that person looking to look inward, grow inward, uh, or grow and, and develop. And re- with our processes, we know we can disconnect a lot of that stuff that has us stuck. Uh, so it's actually been more my honor to have you as a friend through that journey and trust me, you know, to speak truth to you when it's needed and vice versa. Mm-hmm done the same for me. I think, I think for me, the most profound moment on all the people we've worked with and all the healing and, um, the, the testimonials we've gotten from folks, uh, selfishly, it's my own marriage. Mm. You know, as a kid that had mom and dad get divorced and swore, I'd never put my children through that pain. No way am I going to put my children through that pain. To then see Haley and Emma, it's just like, where's daddy going? You know, Haley looking at me and I could see her. She's on, she's my little buddy. Mm-hmm. And to see and know that I was a part of the reason, like I didn't want to get divorced, but everything takes two, right? Relationships yeah. are co-created. And to know that their heart's getting ripped out. Now dad's leaving. Where's dad going? Why is he leaving me? Uh, to then meet Sarah and things were great when we first met and then we have Fisher and then we went through really bad years, you know, years where felt like all hope was lost. There's no way that they were going to have a relationship worth having. She's going to leave me. She doesn't love me. She can't love me. She's disconnected. Is this where I need to be? Like, I just felt so lost, lonely and alone to go from that to where we are today with three beautiful younger children. Out, out, that Sarah and I have had together outside of Haley and Emma from my prior marriage and to see the change that I've been able to have in myself to where that anger that I used to carry from my childhood is gone, the guilt's gone and seeing Sarah at a much pe- more peaceful place. 
our, our relationship has not been all roses and peachy and perfect. And I think there's a lot of people that will look at us uh, from the surface level because we, we do get along. We're great communicators. We get along as friends. But just because something looks... I, I saw a post actually earlier today where it said somebody else's life and it was like this big circle. And then it said there was like this little speck and it said how much you truly know about that relationship. You know, when you're that other person, that person looking at that relationship. And uh, I, I've prayed for healing. I've prayed for finding a way to make it better and and to just have that extra piece, that piece of love and, and, and what we both really needed out of the, the marriage to finally be coming around in a very significant way for me is just profound. And I, I sorry, I hijacked on, I really didn't plan on going down that rabbit hole, but I love seeing other people be happy. Mm. And I think my wife is for the first time really happy in, in, in a, in a all encompassing way. And, and I, I guess I didn't mean to again, go down this rabbit hole for anybody that's listening to this, that is married, that feel like all hope is lost in your relationship. Uh, but you love that person you're with. And, and if you had your choice, you want it to work and you want that person to be with you, no matter what's happened, no matter what's happened, you, you can bring that relationship back together. It can heal. And even if that's just a friendship and something bad happened and there's some anger or resentment or some hurt in there, that relationship can heal. We're all pretty broken people in some way, shape or form when you've done a little bit of living. So I don't know. This journey has been one that I'm proud to be on and, and I can't believe that I get blessed to do it with one of my best buddies in the whole world. And dude, I don't know where I'd be without you. I don't know where I'd be without you either, bud. Well, as long as we're not back in the middle East, that's you know, true. showering in cold showers or hot showers, Oof. sleeping cold. on cots. Wait a minute. I was in the air force. We didn't sleep on cots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah dan was about to drop some foul language yeah, so i think he really I'm, did pretty cool i stopped my drill sergeant language because <laughs> it was about to come out but yeah i appreciate you man likewise brother and and for all you out uh, all you out there that are, are are hearing this and maybe connecting to somewhat something of what we say you can get a hold of us at uh the email addresses of nick at anxiety guys or dan at anxiety guys you can also find us at anxietyguys.com and we are on LinkedIn. So feel free to reach out and join the emotional revolution. I'm Nick Davis. I'm Dan Jarvis signing off. Peace in the Middle East. Wouldn't that be nice?